Amen. This is a special Sunday as we are here to gather together around the Lord's table and to share in communion or the Lord's Supper together and to prepare our hearts. I'd like to ask you if you would please uh, turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And if you'd like to use the pew Bible that's there on the uh, back of the pew in front of you, it's page 988. And we're going to read a few verses from this 11th chapter in order to prepare our hearts to share together today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23, and I'll be reading down through verse 32. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we have gathered together under your word and around the Lord's table. And I pray, Father, that as we come, you will give us grace to remember, to proclaim, to examine, and to participate in all that you have done for your people through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Father, we commit our time to you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a moment, I'm going to call our deacons to come and join me on the platform as we prepare to share together around the table. But before we do that, I want to focus on four words that come out of the passage we've just read and out of a nearby passage in the same book of 1 Corinthians to help us focus our hearts and our minds this morning around the Lord's table. And those words are remembrance, proclamation, examination, and participation. Look back again at verses 24 and 25. And when he had given thanks, talking about our Lord, he broke it and said, "'This is my body, which is for you.'" Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As we eat the bread and as we drink from the cup, we are to remember Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Our faith is rooted in actual events that took place in time, space, history. It's interesting to me that as we read in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we learn that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper during the Passover festivities, the night before the Passover. He was in that upper room with the disciples. It's also interesting that during Passover week, and the week-long festivities of unleavened bread, the population of Jerusalem would grow from around 50,000 people to a few hundred thousand people. Every year this would happen. That's how important Passover was. It was celebrated annually in remembrance of Israel's deliverance from Egypt by God under Moses' leadership. And as the Passover festival was a commemorative meal, so the Lord's Supper is a memorial supper. It recalls and portrays what Jesus has accomplished in a much, much greater exodus. And what Jesus accomplished was the fulfillment of of that toward which the Passover was looking forward. And the Passover was pointing to that time when John the Baptist would say, as we learned several weeks ago, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we read in another chapter in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, these words, For Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. Around 33 A.D., outside the city walls of Jerusalem, the body of Jesus was hung on a Roman cross. His blood was shed, and He died. And the events that took place on that day and at that place are interpreted for us in the Bible. Listen to 1 Peter 1, excuse me, 1 Peter 2, verse 24. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And listen to these words in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. Jesus bore our sins in His body on the cross. He bought us with His precious blood that was shed on that beautiful, old, rugged cross. And the Lord's Supper is a stark reminder, time after time, that Christianity is not some new age spirituality. Christianity is rooted in historical facts. It's being rooted and grounded in what God has done in time, space, history 
through the work of His Son, Jesus. Therefore, we come to the table remembering, consciously directing our minds to Jesus as He is revealed to us in this Word, the Bible. The Lord's Supper roots us time after time in the nitty-gritty of history. Bread and cup, body and blood, execution and a death for us. This past week, our family were on vacation. And we stayed in North Carolina, too. We know where to go for a good vacation, to stay in North Carolina. We were at Newburn. And we spent six nights in that area. And uh, the place where we were actually staying was on like a dead-end road. So every day when we would venture out to do some sightseeing, we would go by the same sites. And one of those sites was a fire station, much smaller than the one we have here in in Fuquay, Verena. But they had a, a beautiful memorial out in front. And it said, never forget. And there were some pieces of uh, charred metal there. And, uh, of course, it was a memorial to 9-11-2001. When some enemies of the United States tried and did strike a terror blow on the United States, hitting some important landmarks in our country, killing nearly 3,000 people. And we were caught off guard. And uh, those two words say, never forget. And as I thought about that, and as I thought about today and this morning, again, I thought about around 33 A.D., outside the city wall of Jerusalem. The enemies of God sought to strike a blow on the Lord God Almighty and on His plan. But unlike 9-11, the one who was going to be killed on that cross was not caught unawares. This to me is amazing. On that night, the Last Supper night, Jesus was telling His disciples what's going to happen. One of you is going to betray me. And the enemy of God entered into the heart of that betrayer, and he later betrayed Jesus. And there were religious leaders who were planning and plotting secretly to put Jesus, the Son of God, to death. But Jesus was outlining all the events, and he, and he was going to say, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup of the new covenant. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus knew the blow was coming. He told his disciples in advance, but he interpreted the meaning of it to them. And the Lord took that blow and turned it into the greatest victory that has ever been accomplished. Jesus declared from that cross, It's finished. What I came to do is done. May we never forget. 
It also involves proclamation. Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What a glorious message to proclaim. The Lord's Supper is never truly celebrated apart from a proclamation of the Lord's death and what it means and what it can mean. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, came to earth to die for the sins of the world. Christ's crucifixion is central in all of history. Everything was moving to that moment. And it was central in the proclamation that was delivered by those early disciples and followers of Jesus as they spread the good news throughout the known world. Listen to Paul's words in this same book of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read the verses to you if you'd like to turn, you may, but it's chapter 1, verse 20. Listen to what Paul said. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For the Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Paul said, this is our message, Christ crucified. Listen to the verse five, excuse me, first five verses in chapter 2 of this same book. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that our faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And now toward the end of this same book, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, listen to these words. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, If you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. What's of first importance? Here it is. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scriptures. Throughout the book of 1 Corinthians is that theme, proclaiming the death of Jesus and what that death accomplished. Look back in 1 Corinthians 11 again, if you're still there in your Bible, at verse 26, and look at those last three words. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Implicit in that phrase, until He comes, is the fact that He's alive again. And therefore is coming back. And coming back again. His body was taken from that cross, placed in a borrowed tomb, and He rose from the grave on the third day. And according to this same book in chapter 15, He was seen in time, space, and history again by many witnesses. And now believers in Jesus have the privilege of living and looking in the light of the resurrection with the hope of His second coming. And in the meantime, we have the privilege of proclaiming the Lord's death and what it means till He comes. Third word is the word examination. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 27 through 32 remind us that the Lord's Supper is a time for examination. Look again at verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Taking part in the Lord's Supper this morning is a time of self-examination. Some of the Corinthians to whom Paul was writing were partaking of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. They were being irreverent. They were being self-centered. They were not really thinking through the significance and the importance of what it represented and what it meant to them. So this is a time for self-judgment, a time for appreciating and appropriating what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. One writer put it this way, and I'm, I'm going to quote him. All participa- participants should test the attitude of their own hearts and actions and their awareness of the significance of the supper, thus making the supper under God a spiritual means of grace. I want to encourage you as I want to encourage myself. Prepare your heart. Confess your sins. We read in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's through the blood of Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to have some time of of silence when the, the bread and the cup are being passed out. And it's a wonderful time for you to talk to the Lord silently and come to Him. And that leads me to this last fourth word, and it's the word participation. 
And I want you to look at the previous chapter here in 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, at one verse. If you just flip back to that 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians at verse 16. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? That word participation, if you're reading from the the Pew Bible, which is the King James Version, you'll see the word communion. Uh, It's based, it's a translation of the, the familiar perhaps familiar Greek word to you, koinonia. You've heard of that word referred to as fellowship, partnership, participation. And Paul is reminding us in this 16th verse in chapter 10 that the cup of blessing that we bless is a participation in the blood of Christ. And the bread that we break is to be a participation in the body of Christ. The blood of Christ and the body of Christ. In a few minutes, we're going to gather around the Lord's table. It's His table. It's not Wake Chapel Church's table. And you do not, have to, do not have to be a member of Wake Chapel Church to take part. But I would remind you this morning that it is open to those who are trusting Jesus and those who are following Him. And we will physically eat a piece of bread. And we will physically drink from a cup. And hopefully we will be thinking about what He has done for us. But I want to encourage you as believers in Jesus to go beyond physically eating and physically drinking and to go beyond just mentally thinking. But I want to encourage you this morning as we eat and drink to appropriate by faith what Jesus has accomplished for you. I want to encourage you to come to Jesus as we eat and as we drink. At another Passover celebration a year before, a year before Jesus' last Passover, when He started the Lord's Supper, Jesus had some amazing words that Pastor Isaac has been sharing with us the last few weeks in John chapter 6. That happened at a Passover time, about a year before. And listen to these words in John chapter 6, verse 35, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Lord willing, next week, a brother in Christ is going to dig a little farther into chapter 6 of John, and we're going to look at these words. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you in 6.53, John 6.53, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, 
and I in Him. Amazing words. And we believe this morning that we cannot literally drink the literal blood of Jesus, nor that we can literally eat the literal body of Jesus. But it's pointing to a spiritual reality of coming to Jesus in our need, recognizing what He has done for us, and trusting Him. May I encourage you to come to Him in your need this morning, child of God. Trust Him for all that He has purchased for you. And may our hearts be nourished with the benefits that still flow from that old rugged cross. I couldn't begin to list those benefits. But I can list a few of them that maybe will prime the pump. Peace with God. Joy in Christ. Hope for the future. Freedom from fear. Security in adversity. Guidance in perplexity. Victory in temptation. On and on and on. Think of what God has provided for you in Jesus. And I want to read some words from a book that is a collection of writings of some old Puritans that have been put together in a book called The Valley of Vision. And this one writer is talking about what happened for us at the cross. Christ was all anguish that I might be all joy. He was cast off that I might be brought in. He was trodden down as an enemy that I might be welcomed as a friend. He surrendered to hell's worst that I might attain heaven's best. He was stripped that I might be clothed. He was wounded that I might be healed. He was a thirst that I might drink. He was tormented that I might be comforted. He was made a shame that I might inherit glory. He entered darkness that I might have eternal light. My Savior wept that all tears might be wiped from my eyes. He groaned that I might have an endless song. He endured all pain that I might have unfading health. He bore a thorn crown that I might have a glory diadem. He bowed his head that I might lift mine up. He experienced reproach that I might receive a welcome. He closed his eyes in death that I might gaze on unclouded brightness. He expired that I might forever live.